This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2015. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles, please, to 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 22. Again, I'm going to say I'll not keep you long, saying it's very cold, but I'll try my best. (laughs) Excuse me. Second Kings chapter 22. I'll just share a few things from this chapter this morning and just a, maybe from chapter 23 as well. Um, just reading the first couple of, first couple of verses. Um, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidiah, Jed, Jediah, the, the daughter of Adiah of Bozkath. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the way of David, his father. And he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. In the 18th year of King Josiah, the king sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, son of Meshulam, the secretary to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, that he may count the money that has been brought into the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the threshold have collected from the people. And let it be given into the the hand of the workmen who have the oversight of the house of the Lord. And let them give it to the workmen who are at the house of the Lord, repairing the house, that is, to the carpenters, to the builders, and to the masons. And let them use it for buying timber and quarried stone to repair the house. But no accounting shall be asked from them for the money that is delivered into their hand, for they deal honestly." And Hilkiah the high priest said to Shepham the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shepham and he read it. And Shepham the secretary came to the king and reported to the king, your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house and had delivered it into the hand of the workmen who have the oversight of the house of the Lord. Then Shaphan the secretary told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book and Shaphan read it before the king. And we'll just stop there and we'll read a wee bit further on. King Josiah came to the throne when he was eight years old. Now the possibility of him reigning fully when he was eight years old was, was, was very, very low. But the kings would have counsellors in those days and he would have wise men who would run the kingdom on his behalf. Josiah was the son of um, Manasseh had reigned before and then Manasseh's son had reigned for a couple of years. Manasseh had reigned for 55 years and Manasseh's son had reigned for two years. So for 57 years, Israel had been in a place where they had walked away from their God because Manasseh was a wicked king and his son was a wicked king. So for 57 years, they had been separated from God. Manasseh had set up shrines. He had caused the people to walk in the ways of Balaam 
and he caused the, 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 the kingdom to walk in the ways of Baal. There was human sacrifice. People worshipped all types of gods. Households within Israel would have their own personal gods and have their own personal shrines. And this was encouraged by Manasseh the king. But here comes 57 years later. Here comes a king who wants to serve the Lord. Josiah reigns in Judah. Here comes a king who wants to turn away from all of that, who wants to walk in the ways of the Lord. After 57 years, he comes to the age of 18. It says, in the 18th year of, of, of King Josiah, the king sent Shephan, the son of Isaiah, the son of Meshulam, the Segret, to the house of the Lord, saying, go up to the house of the Lord, and we want to start to rebuild it. He comes to that age at 18. When we come to 18, we say, you're, you're, you're a man. So we are now. Sometimes that's debatable. I don't even know if it was like that myself. You could say that when I was, when I was 18. But he comes to this age of 18, and he's starting to reign in his own stead. Still has the counselors, but he's at a place where he's making these decisions. And one of the decisions he makes, we want to rebuild the house of the Lord. After 57 years, it comes, we want to rebuild the house of the Lord. He wanted to build the house again. The house had been rejected and it had fallen into ruin. And there was priests that still worked in the, in, in, in the temple. There's priests that still worked in the house of the Lord. And I believe it tells us that there were still faithful men who wanted to keep serving the Lord. But they were few and far between. But here comes the king and he wants to rebuild. You know, when I was thinking, that, you know, we look at the church over the years, there's been times when it has fallen into disrepair. There's times when it seems as though everything has been rejected of God or been rejected. The things of God have been rejected. And there's been periods where that has lasted a long time. A priest a while back there just on revival and we talked about how at times when the church looked as though it was on its last legs, God would come in and he would restore the church. And this is a period of time when God is about to restore the church. And we want to look today at some of the things that, that Josiah did to restore the church. And one most importantly, and we read it in verse 8, when he, Josiah had sent Shepham to Hilkiah. Listen to what the priest said. He says, go up to Hilkiah the high priest that he may count the money that has been brought. Sorry, read from verse 8, sorry. And Hilkiah the high priest said to Shepham the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And I think that this speaks of what God and how God starts to restore his church and how he wants to start and restore his people again. I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. It's a good thing 
Well, it's a good thing and a ter- one terrible thing. It's a terrible thing that the book had been lost in the house of the Lord. Maybe in the, in the temple they had parchments. Maybe they had a library. And this book of the law was among all of the books. But it didn't stand out among all of the books. It had to be found in the house of the Lord. It's a terrible thing when the word of God has to be found and sought out and recovered in the house of God. But sadly, over the years within the church, there's times when that has had to happen. But it's a good thing that it was found. It's a good thing that it was found. I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. You know, maybe when, when the priest pulled it out, Hilkiah pulled it out, and he had to blow the dust off it. Had to scrape it all off. How long had it been since it was opened? We know for f- at least 57 years, Israel had been backslidden. They didn't look to God. Maybe for 57 years, this book hadn't been opened. But it had been found again. And it's sad that God's word at times in the church doesn't have the preeminence. Because this is God's word to his people. This is God's word to his church. Why at times, and why even in our lives, does this book not have the preeminence in our lives? We'll go everywhere and anywhere, but not read the word of God. This word has to have the preeminence in the church and in our lives. And this is what this chapter, I believe, tells us. I have found the book of the Lord in the house, the book of the law in the house of the Lord. This book should have the preeminence. It was treated like any other manuscript. You know, I mostly read spiritual books. I have a few other books I sort of read at night just to switch you off. And I'm sure you do the same. But does this book, does it stand out in your life? Does it stand out to you? Do you pick it up and read it? Pastor said last week, there's a bunch of Bibles at the back of the church. And he didn't buy them. People, some people in this church bought them. And they've been there for months, maybe even years. What does that say to you? Maybe you have spurious Bibles in, the, in, in your house. But what does it say? It tells me that this book is not pre, does not have the preeminence in some people's lives. Let's be honest with ourselves. Some of us, this book does not have the preeminence. It's just another book. It's just a historical document full of stories, good stories, but stories nonetheless. And I think it's interesting in verse 10, when Shaphan, the secretary, came back to the king, what does he say? Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. That's a sad statement, I believe. Because here is a man who is a secretary to the king and knows nothing of the word of God. It's a book. He's given me a book. 
He's looking at it and thinking, this is a book. It's a good book, but it's a book nonetheless. He has given me a book. And over the years, when we start to reject sometimes the word of God, it just becomes another book to us. It just becomes something that we put to the side. We bring to church on a Sunday and then we put it down and we don't come back to it to the following Sunday. This book has to have the preeminence in the Christian's life. The priest has given me a book that has to be more than a book. For 57 years, there had been nothing of the word of God. His familiarity with the word of God was very, very poor. Very, very poor. Middle Ages, and there's times over the years, in the Middle Ages especially, 13, 1400, you know, the, the, the Bible was written in Latin. And it was only the priests that could read it. And it was only the priests that could read it for the people. Because a lot of the people couldn't read. But it was written in Latin, a language that they didn't understand. And you know the stories of George Whit or not Whitfield, John Wycliffe in the printing of the Bible and how they were persecuted for wanting to put it into English, into their mother tongue. It was printed in German. I think it was the Gutenberg Bible was one of the first and was written in German. And it was fought against, fought against by the very priests and the very church that said, this is the word of God. Because this word needs to be in the hands of, of everyone, of the common man. And there was long periods when the people's knowledge of this book was very, very poor. The familiarity with it was probably non-existent. It just was a book. Let me ask you a question. What is this book to you? Genuinely, what is this book to you? Is it another book? Is it a book among many books? Or is this book to you the very word of God? The Bible says that all scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is God-breathed. When Ruth and myself were chatting to the young people um, a number of weeks back and we were asking them, we raised a question to them. Do you believe every word in this book? Do you believe every word in this book is true? And there was a pause. And you think about it. And, and I said, let me phrase it another way. Do you believe every word that Jesus spoke? And automatically, oh yes, yes, definitely. But Jesus then said in John 17, says, thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. This is the word of God. If we believe every word of Jesus and he says thy word is truth, well then you're holding truth in your hand this morning. This is more than another book. What is this book to you? Look what happened to the king in verse 11. End of verse 10, it says, And Shaphan read it before the king. And when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. He tore his clothes. Look at the effect that this book had on the king. This book had been found 
And then when it was read to the king, he tore his clothes. The, the king was in deep sorrow. He tore his clothes. It was a sign of humility. He tore his clothes in deep sorrow because the words of this book so affected him, so touched his heart, cut through all of the flesh right to the very heart. And he was in, in deep sorrow. The book stopped him dead in his tracks. And it brought the whole situation of where the, the nation of Israel were into perspective. There was one reason that they were in a mess. One reason only that the children of Israel were in a mess, that the nation was in a mess. And the word tells us, and the king commanded Hilkiah the priest and Achaim the son of Shephan and Akbor the son of, of Micaiah the Shephan the secretary and Isaiah the king's servant saying, go inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. This book brought everything into perspective for the king. It produced the understanding of their situation that God was angry with them because they hadn't obeyed his word because they hadn't read his word and obeyed it. The word of God can bring an understanding of our situations. Our situation may be good, our situation may be bad, but the word of God can bring us into perspective and an understanding of where we are. This word is powerful and it can bring an understanding. It brought an understanding to the king of where the situation was. Over the years, this word has brought an understanding of where the church is. And men and women have got a grip of it and seen God move and seen God change things. It produced an understanding of their situation. It also produced repentance. Verse 11, he tore his clothes. Verse 18 and 20, it says, but to the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, regarding the words that you have heard, because your heart was penitent and you humbled yourself below, before the Lord when you heard how I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants. This word brought repentance and this brought, word brought humility. This word can cut through all of our, of our preconceived ideas, all of our pride, and bring us to that place of repentance. But it only happened when the king, when the book was found and when the, when the book was read. It brought repentance, true repentance, the true repentance that God acknowledges. There's times when we fall and we say, sorry, but it's not true repentance. It's not a true repentance that God acknowledges. But in this case with the king, it brought true repentance and God acknowledged it. It produced a desire to seek the Lord. 
we read there that the king said in verse 13, go inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. It produced a desire in King Josiah to seek the Lord. He sent them to the prophetess. And in those days, going to the prophet of the prophetess was like going directly to hear the word of God. It produced a desire to seek the Lord. When we read this word, it produces a desire to seek God's face. This is not just a normal book, but it should produce a desire to seek his face, to seek the Lord and to find him. And fourthly, it produced a restoration and a revival. It produced a restoration and a revival. Verse 4 of chapter 23. And the king commanded Hilkai the priest of the second order and the keepers of the threshold to bring out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels made for Baal and for Asherah and for all the hosts of heaven. He burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron and carried their ashes to Bethel. And he deposed the priests whom the kings of Judah had ordained to make offering in the high places at the cities of Judah and around Jerusalem, those who burned incense to Baal, to the sun and to the moon and to the constellations and all the host of heavens. And he brought out the Asherah from the house of the Lord outside Jerusalem to the brook Kidron. This was, this, this, this... Asher was in the very temple. It was in the very house of the Lord. They brought it to the brook Kidron and burnt it at the brook Kidron and beat it to dust and cast the dust of it upon the graves of the common people. And he broke down the houses of the male cult prostitutes who were in the house of the Lord where the women wove hangings for the Asherah. And he brought all the priests out of the cities of Judah and, defiled the, and defied the, defiled the high places where the priests had made offerings from Geba to Beersheba. And he broke down the high places of the gates that were in all the entrance of the gates of Joshua, the governor of the city, which were on one's left at the gate of the city. And it goes on and on and on. And it talks about how Josiah started to put things right. They got rid of the, t- the idols. They get rid of the false prophets and the false priests. And they burned them. And they started to restore the house of the Lord. They re- started to restore the ways of the Lord. It produced restoration and it produced a revival in the land. All of that came because they found the book of the law. All of it came about because they found the book of the law. This is the most powerful book in the world. And I don't say that lightly. This is the most powerful book in the world. The world upholds great writers, great literature. And some of it may well be good literature. They talk about Shakespeare. I'm, I'm not overly into Shakespeare. You may be. But listen, this book surpasses every other book in this world because this is the very word of God. It's the most powerful book. This is a book that will change your life. I'm talking especially to the Christian. 
this book will change your life. And it's designed to change your life. And it's to be found and read. And it will change your life. Turn with me to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, every verse, bar one or two, talks about the Word of God. But this tells us what the Word of God can do in our lives. I just want to read various verses out for you. I may comment on them, but you'll see it for yourself. Psalm 119, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping, with, in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. Those first eight verses speak wonders about the word of God. Walking in his ways, walking in his statutes, walking steadfastly, all by paying attention to the word of the Lord, having our eyes fixed on his commandments. It brings praise it brings glory unto God. Verses 15 and 16 says, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. That speaks for itself. Fixed and his delight. What things do you delight in? What things have your, your eyes fixed on? What things have your heart fixed on? Let me encourage you to fix it on the word of God. To have the preeminence for the word of God. Verse 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. This book is full of wondrous things. Wondrous things. Verse 24. Your testimonies are my delight and they are my counselors. This is what happened with Josiah. The word counseled him and the word will counsel you. No matter what situation you find yourself in, this book has an answer for you. It will counsel you, tell you how to walk, what is the right thing to do. It's a counselor. Verses 30 and 32 I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me be not put to shame. I set your rules before me. Again, let me challenge you. Is this book before you? I set your rules before me. When you open the pages, you're setting God's rules before you. Are you setting this book before you? Verses 97, 98. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. Enemies, 
for it is ever with me. Read that again. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than all my enemies, for it is ever with me. It'll make you wise. Let it be your meditation. The psalmist here just loved the word of God. Loved it. He delighted in it. Verse 160. I know we're jumping through them, but it was more a case, what do you leave out? Or more, you know, you could have read the whole psalm because it speaks of the word of God and encourages us. 160. The sum of your word is truth. There it is again. The sum, all of it, is truth. And every one of your righteous rules endures forever. This is an everlasting book. This is an everlasting book. The word of the Lord lasts forever. 162. I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. Do you rejoice in the word of God who finds great spoil? Listen, if you went home today and you find in your back garden jewels, maybe old Roman coins or someone found Roman coins recently worth about five or six million pounds. You found that you would be doing somersaults in your back garden. But do we rejoice in the word of God? Do we rejoice in the word of God like one who finds great spoil? Because this is more valuable to our lives. 165, great peace have those who love your law. Have you peace this morning? If you haven't, I want to encourage you to read the word of God. There's something just about reading the word of God and letting it sink in. And you find that encouragement from God. 174. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Salvation has come through the word, the living word. The living word and your law is my delight. Let's delight in the word of God today. Psalm 130 verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I wait. I wait for the Lord and my, my soul waits, and in his word I wait. Let's read the word of God. Let's get back to the very word of God. There's so much out there. There's so much promises made. But listen, it's only going to be found in the word of God. I say that all of, all of what I've said today for one reason. The start of last year, 1st of January, I started a reading plan for myself. Because what I found when I read the word of God, unlike yourself, maybe you're at this place, maybe you have a reading plan, that you're taking a little bit from there, taking a little bit from here. And there's masses that we miss out. Sometimes we just read our favorites all the time. And we look at it and we think, 
I enjoy that bit, but I'm not too sure about that book of Numbers. I'm not too sure about all those lists and chronicles. And I'm thinking, this, this is hard going. And yes, there's times it's hard going. But if we put the effort in, we will find the wonders of God in every page, in every chapter, and in every verse. And we may find them at different times. But I want to encourage us to do that. So I started last January. And what I have found, let me just tell you some of the things I've found. Well, first of all, let me, it takes discipline to read it every day. Now, I don't want to put, you know, a bondage on you. You think, well, I haven't read the word of God today. There's days where I have missed maybe certain chapters or I've been on holiday and, and didn't just get to read that. Catch up. That's what I've done. You catch up at different times. But by and large, we sit down every day to read the Word of God. And it takes discipline because there's days you think, I'm not taking an awful lot of this in. And there is going to be days like that. But what I have found at more days have been filled that I've seen something from the word of God that has encouraged me, that has strengthened me, that has brought peace to my life, that has given me direction. Let me give, give you an example. I can't tell you the, the details of it. But three times, you know, I've been praying about a particular thing, particular direction. And three times when I have decided, right, I'm going to do this, Three times the Lord has used the same verse, the same story in th to direct me. And at some stage it stopped me in my tracks from three different passages. One in Genesis, one in Isaiah, and one in Jeremiah. And the Lord has spoke to me directly at the a particular time and says, no, this, 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 this is the way you got to go. Now, that was just through my daily reading. And what I've noticed is that at periods where you, maybe I'm, I'm looking for direction or praying about something particular, that the Lord in my daily readings has spoke to me. That I haven't went to the Bible and think, oh, Lord, speak to me, and I'm flicking through this, and I'm back and forward. The Lord has used my daily readings to speak directly to me and to encourage me to strengthen me. And I'll be honest with you, I've lost count. And I, I don't, I'm not saying that just to encourage, you know, just to encourage you for the sake of it. I've lost count of the times that I have been encouraged and have been lifted up and have found peace in the midst by just my daily readings because God has spoke through his word. When we're reading his word, God wants to speak through his word. And there's times when, and this is the most encouraging thing I find. There's been times when I've just read something and it has just caused me to praise God. And it has just caused me to worship God. And that has been the most encouraging to me. I'm not trying to say, oh, and I wonderful. No. But I know, I've just thought, Lord, you are magnificent. And it's come from my heart rather than my head. 
Lord, you are magnificent. Lord, you are wonderful. Lord, you are worthy to be praised. And the reason why I want to encourage you that way is, is sometimes, as I say, we're, we're, we're over, sometimes we're in the New Testament, sometimes we're in the Old Testament, but there's no structure to it. And I want to encourage us to read the Word of God. I just, as again, I say all that, what I have done, I want to encourage you because I found it so beneficial for myself that I have printed out a Bible reading plan for you. Now, maybe you have one. Far away, continue on with it. You could probably agree with a lot of what I have said. But I think for most of us, do we read every single day? Probably most of us don't. Don't hope I'm not judging you wrongly there. But I want to encourage us to start to read the Word of God. And that's why I started with Josiah. The book of the law was found again. Some of us need to find the Word of God again. We're reading her. And listen, I love reading books. Love reading them. But this one has to be the preeminence. We're reading what she says or what this person says or this pastor says or, or whatever. But listen, let this book speak to you first. Let this book speak to you first. You know, you, you'll find verses. I find verses. I didn't even know that was in there. Didn't even know that existed. You know, other times I have read scriptures and all of a sudden as I've read it, the Lord has put someone in my mind or in my heart. And I've actually maybe texted them the scripture and they've, they've just, you know, they've texted me back and said, it really encouraged me. That really strengthened me. And this is why I'm telling you this because I believe that the Lord will quicken your heart that way as well. And I'm being serious with you. I've read it. And like that, someone has jumped into my mind that I wasn't even thinking of. So if you get a lot of scriptures from people, you know what's happening. So you do, you know that people's reading a lot more. But there is times, and the Lord has just laid that on my heart. Or maybe, you, you know, you start to pray for a particular person. And it's great to use the word of God to pray that way as well. But most importantly... I've noticed you'll get a clearer picture of Jesus. You know, they say in the Old, the Old Testament, and it's a shadow of Jesus. And it is amazing when you get into the Old Testament, especially when you see Jesus in the Old Testament. And you think, that's just like, and you're sitting there and you're thinking, that's just, that's just sounds like Jesus. And it is. It's the shadow of what is to come you'll get a clearer picture of Jesus. What I have found, you get a clearer context. The chapters blend into one another after a while. And you get a, a fuller picture of the story. And you think that's what that really means. You know, sometimes, um, I guess the times is right, sometimes we pull a verse out of the sky that puts our situation, you know, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Great verse, wonderful verse. But sometimes when we read the verses around it 
and the verses after it, it really shows us what that means and encourages us even more and strengthens us even more. We get a clearer picture of Jesus himself. And that's the most wonderful thing from the word of God, that we would see Jesus. So that's the plan. What I have done, I've printed them out. Now, I've got Johnny to do it on one page for me. It is quite small. All right. Can you see it? (laughs) Yes. Now, to be honest with you, the one I printed off is 12 pages. So I didn't want to sort of photocopy 12 pages for you because I know what will happen. You'll lose them and be all over the show. But you know you can see this with a magnifying glass if you need to. (laughs) Look, this is just to encourage us to read the Word of God. And the reason I've done it January, February, March, April, May, June, I have found it has blessed me reading from start to finish. Now, the way it works, there's four chapters a day. Some may be five, but the fifth one is normally a small one. It does take discipline, but that discipline will pay off for you and for me. It starts Genesis 1. You'll read Matthew 1, Ezra 1, and Acts 1. So it's giving you a bit from, from, you know, from throughout the whole Bible. But it encourages us to read. But it's not, I want to encourage you, it's just not about reading. Sit down, pray before Lord, open my heart, open my mind, and God will talk to you. God will encourage you. God will strengthen you. And you will be encouraged and you will become grounded and you'll become familiar with the word of God. Because this is what happened in Josiah's time. For 57 years, the word of God was lost. But I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. Church, I believe that the word of God needs to be found again in the house of the Lord. Because we're living in times where the word of God means nothing to the world. But sadly, in a lot of the church, the word of God is just another book. We'll read our favorite authors. We'll listen to our favorite preachers. But we're not reading the word of God. We're not reading the word of our Savior and our Lord. I want to encourage you today. I'm going to leave these at the, at, the, at the back. Listen, you may have your plan. Great, wonderful. There's countless other plans you can find online. But if you're like me, the reason I printed this out, I'll get round to that. And I never print it off. And I never start. It'll take discipline. There'll be days when you think, I'm not taking an awful lot of this in. And it happens to us all. But all of a sudden, the scripture just may jump off the page to you. And that has happened more times to me just in my daily readings that the Lord has spoke to me. He has said something. I've encouraged and strengthened. And I do say it again. The days when it just causes you to praise him are the most wonderful days. I want you to experience that. I want you to see that. I want you to feel that. I want you to learn more about him. That's why I've I've preached this this morning. I've felt it in my heart for a lot of months now. 
Let's get back to the word of God. Let's rediscover the word of God. Let's see what our, our God is saying to us. <clears throat> Let's be encouraged by his words. As good as other things are, this book has to have the preeminence. I want to encourage you. I'll leave these at the back and then we'll, we'll you know, and that's why I've done it so close to Christmas because to keep it familiar with yourself that you start on the 1st of January. Ali can only leave that with you, but I guarantee you, God will encourage you. God will strengthen you. God will speak through his word to you. Let's pray. Father, we worship you this morning. We glorify you. Lord, I want to thank you that you have spoken to us. You have spoken to us through your word. Lord, in this house, we give your word the preeminence. We give your word the preeminence. Because all scripture is God-breathed. And your word is truth. Lord, we want to acknowledge that this morning. Lord, you are welcome here this morning. Your word is welcome here this morning. Lord, help us never to close the door to your word because your word is the greatest thing that we can ever have. Lord, we praise you and we magnify you this morning. Lord, I pray for your people, Lord. I just pray, Lord, again, that we would rediscover your word. That, Lord, it would become more than words on the page. But, Lord, that we would sense the life of it. That we would sense the spirit of it. And that, Lord, that it would mold us and make us on the inside. And, Lord, that that would shine through in our lives. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, we give you the glory and we give you the honor for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can also watch the Sermon of the Month video at youtube.com forward slash Moira Pentecostal or download the sermon video through our iTunes video podcast. For more information, visit us at www.mpc.org.uk.